Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to Episode 10, Taking Care of Your Husband. Michael and I are preparing a young couple for marriage, and we'll be talking with them about all kinds of things regarding marriage, you know, money and children and affection and communication. And we were both kind of commenting to each other how sad it really is that we go to law school and med school and we get master's degrees and doctorates, and yet there really isn't much of a preparation for marriage, for going into a relationship that we expect to be forever. The first question that I want to ask you is, what does your husband need? What does your husband need? We are often very conscious of what we need, but what does your husband need? And don't assume you know. Michael and I have been married uh, 36 years, and just a few years ago, I asked him, what does he need from me? And I was surprised at a couple of things he said. I didn't know those were important to him. And that's because he never verbalized them. And, you know, we have a tendency as women to think, well, I verbalize, so you should verbalize. So if you really need something from me, you'll tell me. But typically that's not how men work. They need to be asked to express their feelings and their needs. So ask your husband, what does he need from you? And then really listen to what he says. Don't argue Just listen. The next thing I want to talk about is mindset. What do you think about your husband? Do you assume the best of him? Do you give him the benefit of the doubt in his intentions and in his words? So if you are noticing that, you know, there's dishes around all the time and he's not picking it up, do you assume that he knows they're there and he's lazy, and he's just not wanting to do it? Or do you say to yourself, you know what? He probably doesn't even notice that. Men and women are very different in what they notice and in how they live, and men can be oblivious. So rather than assuming the worst, that he just won't do it, he doesn't want to do it, he's selfish, he's lazy, he's whatever, let's just assume the best and say, okay, I notice it, so... I'm going to ask him if he will pay attention to that. And I may need to ask him more than once. We don't want to get angry that he can't read our mind and figure out what we need. We want to have clear, positive thoughts. Because if we don't, we'll have all kinds of negative feelings that come from negative thoughts. And that's not good for our marriage. So do you assume the best of him? Expectations. We all come to our marriage with expectations. We get expectations from watching our own parents, whether good or bad. And we get expectations from what society tells us we should expect from our husband. But do you know that the biggest killer of relationships of any kind are 
not fulfilling our expectations. Expectations are poison in any relationship. Try to look at your marriage, a particular situation from his perspective. He also has expectations. And then talk about them. Talk about them with each other so that he understands where you're coming from and you understand where he's coming from. And you may find that your expectation is not going to be met because that's not who he is or what he thinks ought to happen. So just because you have an expectation doesn't mean it must be met. Talk with each other about your expectations. And also understand the tremendous pressure that life and our culture has placed on our men. Men are afraid that they can't be a good provider. They're afraid to be vulnerable for fear that they'll be laughed at. They're they're afraid to be ridiculed or scorned. In fact, I remember every time we had a baby, beginning with number two, you know, when you have the first baby, everybody's so happy for you. And then when you have number two, you start getting questioned. And at the time, Michael worked for a big fancy law firm downtown. And number two came 18 months after number one. Well, he got all kinds of nasty comments that I won't repeat because they're not um, suitable for audiences. And then when number three came 15 months later, oh my gosh, he got all kinds of blowback from everyone about what are you doing? You're having all these kids. What's the matter with you? It's too much. You can't afford it. How many more are you going to have? Mocking him. And we don't realize what our husbands go through. Very often men come home and look to their wives for support and encouragement and confirmation that they are worthy and capable men. Do they get that from us? Are we encouraging and confirming that they are worthy and capable? Do we greet them at the door? Do we drop everything and greet them at the door? Do we show our children who is important to us by dropping everything and greeting them with a smile and a kiss? Or instead, do they get complaining and criticizing and over the shoulder. Oh, hi, how are you? We're called to be our husband's refuge. And God made us this way. Give in to your feminine heart. It's okay. You will find peace and happiness. I know the world tells you not to do it, but this is where you'll find peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment by giving into that feminine heart. Be that refuge for your husband. I also want to talk about respect. This is a big one. Respect your husband unconditionally. Did you know that three out of four men would rather feel unloved than inadequate and disrespected? Isn't that interesting? We women would rather feel disrespected than unloved. That's just who we are. We don't want to feel disrespected, but if we had the choice... We would rather feel disrespected than unloved. But men are not like that. Men feel that disrespect is being unloved. And so we have to be very careful about how we respect our husbands. We need to respect them for who they are. They are a child of God. They are our God-given husband apart from what they do. We marry the person 
not their actions. And they're going to make mistakes. And so are we. Very often, men's mistakes come out in actions. Women's mistakes often come out in what we say and how we say it. We're all flawed. We are all working out our holiness. And we're all going to make mistakes, and some of them are going to be really, really big. But we love the sinner and we hate the sin. It's easy to fall into disrespect if our husband makes a big mistake against us. Really, he's making a big mistake against God. And while I'm not suggesting that you sweep it under the rug, I am suggesting that you work it out with respect. Because if we disrespect him in the working out of it, many men will give up. They will disconnect from us. It's too difficult to know that they've lost the disrespect of their wife. Respect his judgment. I know that around the house, you know, we see things differently. And very often, the way they were raised, they will have different ways of judging situations or how to make decisions. And they're going to be different than the way we were raised and how we think something ought to happen. Talk to each other respectfully. Work it out. Understand each other. Respect his abilities. So many times, women will just do it. Okay, I'll just do it. Because they don't respect their husband that he can actually figure things out. And it has happened to so many men by their moms that they don't even know how to figure things out anymore. So if your husband had a mom who was very controlling and did everything for him, she taught him that he couldn't do anything for himself. That's not his fault. But it's something that you need to be aware of and work out with him and encourage him. We also need to respect his accomplishments and cheer for him when something happens in his career, you know, have a special dinner, and then support him if something unexpected and something difficult happens in his career. Or if you ask him to do something around the house, don't find the nitpicky things that you can do to criticize him there. Thank him for doing what he did. Because if we're always criticizing, they're not going to do it again. They won't even try. Respect and communication. I think this is the biggest place where we need to have respect with our husband. How we say what we say is critical. It's critical both with our husbands and our children, but we need to always start with our husband, of course. So it'll be 37 years in July that I moved my things and the borrowed furniture from my parents up to Notre Dame in the married student housing to move into our first apartment. And I hadn't seen Michael for about a month. Well, probably about, hadn't seen Michael for about a month and a half since graduation. We were getting married in July. And I got out of the car and said hello. And we started to unload the car And he picked up a glass lamp that belonged to my grandma, and he dropped it. And it was broken. And I was so angry. I don't remember what I said, but I know it wasn't nice. I was attached to my grandmother, and this lamp represented her. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm sure I said something like, really? How could you be so stupid to hold it like that? Or I know I said something bad. I know I was disrespectful in what I said because he turned to me 
And he said, how dare you speak to me like that? My feelings are more important than a lamp. Now you have to understand Michael. He's pretty soft-spoken. He's not really demanding. He's very, very kind with a kind heart. And it took me back. I, I was so surprised that he spoke to me. Of course, I didn't talk to him for hours after that, but he was right. And I learned a lesson that day. And it was important for him to tell me that. The tone that you take, the way you speak to your husband is really critical. Also in communication, do you apologize? Do you admit when you're wrong? Do you give him that respect? Because odds are, in a confrontation, there's a little wrong to go around for everyone. So do you apologize for your part of it? Do you spend your communication time complaining to him? Is everything a complaint? Do you communicate thoughts and also your feelings? And do you encourage him to communicate his feelings? It's hard for men to communicate feelings. They feel very vulnerable. When we have clear, unified communication, we are communicating our feelings. Showing respect for our husband in public. Never, never put him down in front of friends. You know, Michael and I um, were just very sarcastic. And we've always been that way, and we joke with each other, and... I don't know, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I realized that when we're in public and I'm sarcastic with him, it probably comes off the wrong way. It probably comes off demeaning. And I don't mean it to be, but I have to be very careful. It's still something I work on all the time because when we're at home, of course, we tease each other all the time, but we know each other. And I need to be careful about what other people see so that they understand I don't disrespect him. So be careful about that. Don't put him down and be careful about teasing and being sarcastic to him. Never sit with your girlfriends and have a crab session about your husbands. It's bad. I am so grateful. I have a good group of women that I know and am friends with, and I don't ever remember any of them just sitting around complaining about their husband. That's beautiful. If you have an issue, seek advice on how to handle something. But don't cloak a complaint by saying, I'm seeking advice, when all you're really doing is just complaining. Seek advice from someone who's been a little further down the road. And then listen to your husband. Listening is so important. In our world, I'm finding that we're not listening to each other in general, in society. We're talking a lot, but we're not listening. Listen to him. Eye contact. When my dad came home from work, my mom and dad would go into the room while my dad was undressing, and they would talk. And he would tell her about his day, and she would tell him about her day. And we knew that their relationship was the most important relationship in that house. And then he would come out and then talk to the kids. Another thing to be careful about is, do you complain or speak badly about your husband to your children? This is really, really important. I talk a lot about being friends with your children, and I am 100% committed that friendship with our children in the proper way 
is the best thing you can do for your kids. But that does not mean that you betray your marriage contract. It doesn't mean that you can vomit all over your kids what your husband's doing wrong. You can do irreparable damage to your husband's authority. And also if you have sons, to their self-esteem, if you tear down your husband or criticize him to your children. Boys especially, since they find their role model for manhood in their fathers, if they don't think they can trust that role model, they can feel alone, abandoned, and without support. If you have a problem with your husband, respect him and go to him and speak to him. You know, we live in a society where men are given an impossible persona. It's kind of schizophrenic in a way. They have to be good providers. They have to have their act together, be strong and stoic, leader of the family. They have to climb the ladder, make the deals, win the game, and be all things to all people. But then we show them as incompetent. In fact, many years ago, we turned off TV because there you would find stupid, lazy men unable to problem solve or think for themselves. They were unreliable and untruthful and unpredictable. And it just disgusted us. We didn't want our sons to see that as a role model. And I particularly despise the commercials or any TV movie that portrays the husband as babysitting his children. Seriously? They're his kids. And in many instances, we women have enabled them to be that because we take control and we take command. That new baby comes home and we don't let him hold them. We don't encourage them. We don't say, can you change the diaper? We do, we do, we do. And so we've told them, like maybe their mothers have told them, you can't do it. Now, there is a balance in understanding the mothers of your husbands. I have five sons, and I happen to know that sometimes they might not do what they were raised to do. And that's between them and their wife. They've got to work it out, okay? But look at your husband's mother. If she was someone who was very domineering and didn't teach them how to do things and take care of themselves, then you need to gently help him have the confidence to do those things. But if you do have a mother-in-law who did teach them the skill set of taking care of themselves and others and having a good, positive self-esteem, then you can challenge them a little more to be involved. Lovingly challenge. Don't assume the negative, right? Again, assume the best about your husband. Our jobs as wives is to encourage and support our husband so they can live the truth of the gospel, to love their wives and children to the point of the cross. That's what's asked of them. You know, we get so bent out of shape when we hear wives be subordinate to your husbands, but we don't keep reading where it says, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. That's to the point of the cross. That's sacrifice. And so we have to support them in that role. We have the ability to either build them up or tear them down. And the power we have in our words and actions is something we really need to pray about and be very careful about. What we say cannot be taken back. We can apologize, but often it's kind of like that little worm in the brain that stays there. Be very careful. If you are someone who is quick with a harsh word, Be very careful when you're arguing and say, okay, I need to go take a step back so I don't say something I will regret. 
Remember, good marriages happen in the mundane moments of every day. Notice your husband's effort and thank him for it. Say, you did a great job at playing with the kids. Thank you. I'm so glad the kids can see you and play with you like that because I don't play with them like that. Mention in front of others something that he does really well or something that he did well in accomplishment. Show that you desire him sexually and that he pleases you sexually. It's really important. Make it clear to him that he makes you happy. Express your appreciation for something he did with a smile, a word, a hug, or a kiss. And again, I keep saying it because it's so important to remember, assume the best intentions of your spouse. Very happy spouses refuse to believe that their mate intended to hurt them, and they will look for the most generous explanation instead. It's easy to be negative. Seek to be positive. Is your husband your best friend? He should be your best friend. The relationship that you nurture the most should be the one with your husband. Look into his eyes. You know, we have given into a world that is so busy. And we're, we go and we come and sometimes we don't even look at each other. We're just there with each other. And we forget that we need to nurture our relationship. When we were dating and when we were engaged, there was a lot of nurturing of the relationship. And then... I don't know what happens after we get married. It's like, okay, yeah, and I'm done. Now let's go work and let's go have kids and let's have this big family and whatever. And we're not nurturing our relationship. Touch him. Touch him. He may not be used to it, but it's important that we touch. Talk about your everyday affection. Talk to each other. Making sure that we understand that we need touch. Many, many years ago, there was a guy... Leo Buscagli, I think was his name, who talked about you need a certain amount of hugs every day to feel nurtured and loved. And it was a lot of hugs. And I think he's right. We need touch. Know what each other's love language is. Successful marriages love the other person the way they need to be loved. What love language does he respond to? Is it words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service or physical touch. And it may be a combination of two or more. So Michael and I did this. You should go on that um, five love languages. I think it's fivelovelanguages.com and take the quiz and see what your love language is and find out what his is. And you might be surprised. So Michael's is quality time. Well, I come from a family of two brothers. I was the only girl. I had my own room And so I spent 22 years pretty much by myself in my own room. And you get very comfortable being alone. And here, Michael's love language is quality time. Well, let me tell you, with seven children and we homeschooled, I was with these children all day long. Very rarely did I have time for myself, time alone. And then Michael would come home and he would want quality time with me. And I'm like, and I am done I have no more quality time to give you, but that's what he needed. And that's what I needed to prepare for and give to him. And then serving our husbands. We serve them in the confidence that we have in them. We serve them in lovingly challenging them. And I mean encouraging, okay? Not nagging them, but challenging them to grow as we want them to challenge us to grow. And we serve them by praying for them every day. 
This is critical. Pray for your husband every day. It's a beautiful year to entrust your husband to the virtues that St. Joseph had. When we see Jesus as a man, well, he had a father and a mother, of course, but he had this father who raised him to be a strong, kind, empathetic man. Remember, Jesus is God and man. We can't forget that, that he's man and just assume all those good traits came because he's God. No, he was a man as well. And where did he get those manly gifts and talents? From his mother, but also from his father. And pray for your husband that he can be a man for your children. Last thing I want to tell you is this. The more that I love Michael with respect, a spirit of service, kindness, and understanding, the better he loves me. That's the way love works. Now, we're all familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. Love is patient, love is kind. But I would like to challenge you to put the word I and see if it works. I am patient. I am kind. I am not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. My love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. My love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. My love never ends. Take care. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.